0: So I just want to try to give a reflection a little bit on the theme of the day, which you know, in the uh, short text, which was describing the day long, we are saying, you know, that the Brahma Viharas, the practices Metta, Karuna, Mudita and upeka loving kindness or benevolence, compassion sympathetic joy or gladness and equanimity or equipoise those four capacities of our minds we all have them in it in the mind and we can you know choose to train those capacities and they are very healing and very peaceful and lead to a deepening of wisdom which can you know, support us to touch into the truth of emptiness or not-self, anatta, which is a very important evolutionary step, you know, we all need to make as a species because of us, you know, not understanding the truth of emptiness and the truth of non-separation for us to not really getting it that we are actually one, process you know planet earth with all of its different beings living you know on it or in it or above it we all belong together and we all influence each other and if we could live like this we could stay along longer and if we do not live like this we're going to wipe ourselves off and you know, take a lot of other species with us. And at this day and age, it has become very apparent, you know, that our understanding is extremely immature and the way how we conduct ourselves is very immature and has very dangerous repercussions, really. So this practice is is very, very important, not just for our personal well-being, but just for the well-being of all sentient beings living together in this process we call planet earth so you know bringing that into the equation can give us a sense of shock maybe and at the same time also the necessarily sense of urgency we need in order to really be with our experience how it is right now because this is you know how practice needs to be done, to be with our experience in the present moment and take it from there. Because practice isn't about having a different experience, but it's about having the capacity to fully open to what's happening right now and not needing to be someplace else. And, uh, you know, this really for us to really understand the truth of not-self or anatta is like, I think it's a very revolutionary outlook, you know, onto ourselves. It can be compared to with, you know, Galileo Galilei when he basically tried to make people aware that, you know, the sun is not moving around the earth, but it's, it's the other way around. So, you know, we are not the center of the world. We are not the center. We are not the crown of creation or all of that, uh, you know, kind of thinking which has been conditioned into us in the era which is currently dying. You know, it's called many different names. And, you know, we are in this transition phase where there's a lot of insecurity and chaos is building up. And it's always like that, you know, before a transition there is a lot of chaos and build-up and stress and somehow, you know, we all consciously or unconsciously participating in that process and we might all feel, you know, that there is a mounting sense of insecurity and kind of craziness, really, and... To not turn away from that, but to understand that this is normal, you know, when an old something is dying and a new has not yet been born, then there is a lot of stressfulness and chaos, and that's a good thing. It needs to be like this. But what is also important is to be able to bear with it, to turn towards it. And the Brahma Viharas are very good uh, practices, you know, to... Smoothing and opening and softening and healing the mind and the heart, so that it can stay with the process. Because you know the heart is is an is an organ of knowledge, really in Buddhism. It's called citta, which can be translated as mind or heart, but it's not a mind which resides in the brain, but it's a mind which resides here. And this is an organ of direct perception which we can train and we can, you know, free that from fragmentation and from all kinds of uh, trauma, you know, which we are, you know, experiencing if we are living uh, as a very kind of vulnerable human beings, we do tend to uh, have experiences which are difficult to digest, and if they are not digested they 're going to stay with us. they are in our bodies, and they are you know deeply conditioning our ways how we we are able to be in relationship not only with other people but also in relationship with all that is you know with nature, with our own bodies with our own minds so in order to train ourselves to have more capacity for a relationship, a deeper relationship, wider sense of experience. In order to be able to do that, those four practices of the four Brahma Viharas are like a balm, you know, for the citta. And, you know, if we are practicing in this way, we are getting our minds ready for having the capacity to be fully here with what is, however unpleasant it might be, and have that, you know, capacity to embrace it. And then, you know, from that embracing, to be able to be with it and then respond. Sometimes, you know, in a way where we need to say no, where we need to cut through, and you know, perceived patterns of limitation, really, which are just result of conditioning. But we really need to see that fully before we can let it go. And the four Brahma Viharas are four, you could say, technologies, you know, which enable us to prepare ourselves for that cutting through or of perceived limitations. And that's what we are all caught in, you know, we are all caught in perceived limitations and they have become kind of very dangerous, you know, to the sustaining of life on this planet. And there's lots of difficult things going on in many, many countries on the planet. And even here, we just had a, fire very recently, I think, last week, going on. So I think, you know, we are in times of transition right now and we need, you know, all the help we can get to stay steady in transition and at the same time stay moving, And, uh, you know, how to develop those for are four tones of empathy, which we are innate, you know, to the human heart and cannot be lost, but they can be trained, you know, to be more powerful and they can be trained to be more easily accessible in, <coughs> you know, when we are challenged. So they can become actually an automatic response. You know, when a challenge comes up, it can become an automatic response to not shut down, but to just open to it. And that's something we can train ourselves in. And the four Brahmaviharas Viharas are, you know, those um, four practices we can use for that. And they are also considered, you know, to be recommended ways of relating in the world. And your enlightened beings are considered, you know, to relate in that way. And it does not always necessarily need to be sweet or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like what we, you know, have an idea about how it needs to be. It sometimes can be quite fierce, actually, but it needs to come from that spaciousness. And how we can train ourselves in those qualities, there's like two different ways we can admire them in others and then just try to copy other people until it becomes our second nature. Or we can use those uh, different meditation instructions which Ananda Bodhi has been sharing uh, with us already and we're going to do more of that over the today and tomorrow. And those four Brahma Viharas, you know they augment each other they work together and the most basic of the four is metta or benevolence or loving kindness and uh it's often compared to water which holds everything together and in our you know monastic tradition if people uh give a dana if people give uh different things, you know, to the monastery Uh, in a traditional way. What they do afterwards, they have a little bowl and a little um, container of water and then when the monastics do the chanting, then they pour water and while they're pouring the water, visualizing in their mind that their generosity and their benevolence goes out into the world like the water flowing from one vessel into the other. So it's considered another you know, force of loving kindness, which holds everything together, and its absence of ill will, absence of uh, anger, and uh, you know the thought which goes with matter would be: May all beings be happy. And then the next quality is karuna, compassion. And, you know, karuna or compassion grows out of metta, loving kindness. Metta is that wish, you know, that all beings may be happy and cared for and protected. And then if, you know, we have an experience and we see someone who is a, having a difficult experience, then out of that matter grows karuna, a sense of, you know, wanting to do something, wanting to help. And sometimes, you know, an expression of karuna be, can also be sometimes to not do something. But it's a, it's a quality of mind or heart which turns towards the suffering and then... Allowing oneself to be stirred into action. And uh, it's absence of cruelty and absence of harm. And having that wish, may all beings be free from harm. And then the next quality is mudita, which is sympathetic joy or gladness. for the success of others, that is a difficult one. And, you know, if we have capacity for that, that is very well a measuring stick for where we are with our practice. And we can, you know, define it as an absence of discontent or absence of uh, deficiency. And it's a turning towards the happiness of others. You know, and really taking that in and then participating in that happiness, actually. And it can be very nourishing for us. And the thought would be, you know, may all beings enjoy good fortune. And then the next quality is Ubeka or benevolence. Uh, sorry, or equanimity, equipoise. And that's considered, you know, to be a combination of the first three. And uh, an absence of desire, an absence of wanting things to be different than what they are. And it's not by disconnecting, but it's it's a, a sense of, being in a deep connection, but having a space around that connection. And equanimity or equipoise, it's also you know, a very important factor in uh, many lists which the Buddha has given us. For example, very important, one of the seven factors of enlightenment or one of the seven factors of awakening. Because a mind which truly has seen the way things are is naturally equanimous. And because of that equanimity, that mind has a lot of power to see clearly what is happening and then responding with clarity and with calm and with precision. And the thought would be here all beings are the heirs of their karma, or all beings are the heirs of their actions. And that again, you know, that doesn't mean that we just, you know, lean back and say, Pfft, all beings are the heirs of their actions. It's more like to bring that sense of calm and equipoise and then acting from that sense of calm and equipoise rather than, you know, getting all stressed out and then making actually more damage. You know and either we can admire those qualities in others or we can just you know use the meditations to train ourselves in those qualities and I still you know have shared it in the past, but I'm sharing it again, for example, in my case uh what for me it was very very important in my practice when I was for the first time uh witnessing. Equanimity in in uh, someone who was really spiritually very advanced and evolved that was a turning point in my life because I felt very very i had a very strong admiration for that quality and I felt very much motivated you know to practice because that sense of equanimity seemed a very powerful sense of uh, path for me because I had that very clear recognition that a sense of equanimity if we can really train ourselves in that then you know no experience whatsoever is outside of practice and we can learn from everything and it's, it's a deep sense of protection which it gives us as well having this equanimity and then being able to stay with whatever life is throwing at us and and working with that. So to really see that in others and, you know, taking it in and seeing also where we are ourselves with that and then allowing ourselves to be inspired and Using that uh, inspiration as a fuel, you know, for our practice, and you know, those four Brahmaviharas they can also be considered of being four tones of universal empathy. How we can, you know, resonate. With our experience in relationship with others or in relationship with our environment or in relationship with our own experience internally. Those, you know, four tones of empathy. Because the empathy is just a very powerful capacity we all have as human beings and it was really that capacity for empathy which had, you know, which was our um, we used it our advantage because of that capacity for empathy we were actually capable to build civilizations because we, we could team up and there is, you know the capacity to team up was such that we could, you know, build huge cities like New York, with I don't know how many million people live there together. If we wouldn't have that capacity of empathy, we wouldn't be able to do something like this. But now, you know, we have to open up the circle of empathy, not just having empathy for uh, ho- other Homo sapiens, but having empathy for the planet, for example, you know, because we are part of it. And if we are just having, if the circle of empathy is so small, you know, on a planet where there is like almost 8 billion homo sapiens living, we just can't operate anymore in this way. It doesn't work. So we really need to break through this sense of Separation, which is very deeply conditioned into our systems and has been, you know, it's our heritage. And it's not that anything is going wrong. It's just now we have to step up. We have to step out of that old worldview and we have to step into the next era, which is understanding on a very deep level that we are all... One, you know, in a very big process, which uh, Thich Nhat Hanh so beautifully calls interbeing. And having that sense of empathy stretch out much, much wider than what we usually do. And those practices can be used for it. And then I uh, like it also there's these uh, different images, how we can think about the brahma viharas in the sense of a mother with her relationship to her child, for example, Metta would be you know a mother sitting with her newborn baby and just in the heart, if the mother is healthy, you know the heart will automatically just open there is nothing she needs to do, you know just looking in the eyes of the baby and the heart is just like, wow, opening up the beauty of this new being which has come to us, you know, from where we don't really know. And that miracle, it just opens the heart effortlessly. So that's what matter is. The sense of caring... And then Karuna would be like a mother sitting at the sickbed of her child, you know, and, and she would like to take on the illness if she could. If the child would just be happy, you know, or would just be without pain, she'd happily take it on. That sense of heart opening. And then Mudita would be like a mother, maybe, you know, having her children being successful at a sports event or at a, maybe a, theater show or some kind of little performance and then that sense of, uh, you know, pride and and joy about the talent or the gifts which the child has and there's no no sense of jealousy and, you know, feeling, oh, I want to be like that. But there's this effortless rejoicing And then equanimity is, we can compare that more to the love of a grandmother, you know, has already seen so much and who understands, you know, we have to let people have their own experiences. We can't really force them to be happy, but they have to learn by themselves. That's that kind of empathy or love, you know, which is a combination of the other three. So that's, you know, an innate capacity of the heart we all have. We are born with it and we can train it. We can make it more smooth and we can take advantage of it, really. And then, you know, through the heart being open in this way, there is more Capacity to really tap into the experience of emptiness and not self, anatta. Because if the heart is temporarily free, you know, from any of the four, or five hindrances, then we do have a taste of emptiness or anatta. It's only temporarily, but at least, you know, we do have a taste of it when all boundaries have dissolved for maybe a few minutes or a half an hour or a day or however long it's going to happen. And then really savor that, really taste that, really familiarize ourselves with that. Because this is the way things truly are. <coughs> we are not separate beings. Ultimately, you know, we are just resilient patterns within a much vaster process. And those patterns, we can change some of them. There are some things we cannot change. We, For example, you know, we have a body, we have to look after it, we need food and clothes and water and rest and medicine and all of those things, we need those. But we don't need to be afraid of, you know, not having our desires fulfilled. We do have needs, but we do not need to have all our desires fulfilled. We don't need to be afraid of feeling how it feels, you know, if we are impacted by limitations. And that's exactly that capacity we have to develop to be able to meet limitations and allow those limitations to change us. Because living you know living in samsara is living in a realm of limitations. And the more we can familiarize ourselves that we do have the power to live inside of limitations, then our suffering will will be diminished. Because that is the suffering which does lead out of suffering and that's the teaching of the Buddha. Because there's only two options you know we have as human beings. We can either choose the suffering which leads out of suffering or we choose the suffering which leads in circles, not going anywhere so I know which one I'm going to do. And I guess that's why you're all here, because you also want to do that one which leads out of suffering. And that's really as good as it gets, you know. And once we have understood that, that we are not here in order to fulfill all of our desires, but we are here to learn to let go of desires, then, you know, that that is much more... uh, you know, inspiration really to use these uh, teachings of the Buddha to free us from, you know, this perceived sense of limitations within our capacities which we all have. We can, you know, we can really evolve those capacities and we really need to, we really need to and we can. And then uh, maybe what I would like to mention as well is uh, because the you know the four brahmaviharas, if we are really having a, a meditation where we are really able to tap into the boundlessness of those four brahmaviharas, then our minds are temporarily released from what's called the five hindrances. And I just like to mention you know some quite gruesome. Examples, you know, what, how the Buddha has it, has described it in the scriptures, what it means to be released from the hindrances, at least temporarily. You know, to be released from the hindrance of desire is is the same as, like somebody, you know, having that feeling of relief after you have paid off a, a, a huge debt, maybe for 30 years, you know, paying and paying and paying. And then you're finally finished with it. That sense of relief. And a mind being free from anger or ill will is, the example is somebody who is uh, healthy and who has been going through a long illness and then finally is, can say, I'm now healthy again. That sense of relief. And then the hindrance of sloth and topor. Being released from prison, you know, having been like, like this, completely kind of caged in, you know, being released from prison. And then the hindrance of restlessness and worry is being released from slavery, not anymore having to do what your master tells you, not having to run back and forth all the time. And then the um, hindrance of doubt is coming home after a dangerous journey through the desert, where we didn't know if we have enough food and water to make it through. So those images you know that's what the hindrances, can give us that kind of experience of lack and that experience of of limitations, but they're only temporarily. and it's really important to turn towards this experience and then be with it and allowing it allowing us to, you know to learn from it and then seeing it change and using the the Brahma Viharas to support you know, the mind to really become spacious and open and you know, heal the man from fragmentation, and heal the man from trauma, and and, and heal the man from uh, all kinds of perceived um, patterns. You know, which are actually they are impermanent and they are. Just like, you know, when you go on the beach and you make a drawing in the sand, when the water comes in again, it just disappears. And those patterns in our mind are the same. Some of them are very deeply edged, but we can change them. And the Brahmaviharas Viharas are four practices we can use, you know, to change our minds and our hearts. And to, you know, get those hearts and minds more into the natural capacity of these four universal tones of empathy. So I think, you know, that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. And uh, we can now use the remainder of the time for another seat. So please.